Welcome to the Beers and Bible Podcast, a podcast that explores God's Word while enjoying the fruits of God's creation. You can find us on Instagram at Beers and Bible underscore, on Facebook by searching Beers and Bible Podcast, and on Twitter at Beers and Bible P1. You can also email us at Beers and Bible Podcast at gmail.com. Billy Currington summed it up well when he said, God is great, beer is good, and people are crazy. So let us join our host, Michael and Anthony, for this week's discussion. Welcome to episode number 211 of the Beers and Bible podcast. I am Anthony. And... I am Michael, and we are glad to be back with you for another week of the Beers and Bible Podcast. That's right. So we're recording this on Thursday, February, for timestamp records, February 22nd. Uh, And today Mm -hmm. was the day that everyone almost thought that the world was going to end because the world's largest cellular carrier lost their network for about six hours. It was yeah, mayhem. It didn't affect me. It didn't affect me at all because I don't have them. Um, I thought you were going to say that today was Mar- Margarita Day. Oh, that too. No, is it Margarita today Day? Is national, today is National Margarita Day. Well, daggum, I didn't know that. I, otherwise, I'd have had a margarita earlier today. I mean, Shoot, there's still time. <laughs> it's, not, it's not midnight yet. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Uh, how's your oh. week been? What you been oh. up to, except for not doing any work today? Well, I did plenty of work today. Um, it was, uh, it was fun. so our company switched over to AT and T with their cell phones recently, and so we were caught up in all of the AT and T madness today, which was kind of nuts. Um, mm-hmm. But other than that, it's just been a it's been a pretty low key week. You know, we're coming off down here in South Alabama. We're coming off Mardi Gras was last week, so everybody's kind of like they're getting into their their swing for the next Still- like three weeks. They're still hungover. Yeah. <laughs> that too. <laughs> but we have like three weeks until spring break cut starts kicking in. So, you know, mm-hmm. we, we school for three weeks, then we take a week break, then we school for three weeks, then we take a week break, then we school for three weeks, then we go on summer break. That's, I mean, it's kind of yeah. how it works down here. Yeah. But that's all we're doing. And what are you guys doing up there? Oh, um, this week, uh, I don't remember this being a thing, but my son, my oldest son had three days off from school for, I don't know what, like, I, I still don't know what the break was for. I don't remember a three day break in February. It's because it up. hasn't snowed. Uh, maybe that's, maybe there were snow built in snow days that now it's going to snow like next week. And we're <laughs> we have to figure out how to get them to school. Um, so this week we had, we had that just added little wrench into the thing, but he back to mm-hmm. school today. And, um, yeah, just staying busy, um, trying to trying to stay out of trouble as much as we can, and do it. I think we're doing an okay job of that. So, um, you know, living life. Uh, you know, not really much to talk about up there, I guess. So <laughs> nice. So, well, we should drink a little bit of beer. What do you do say? It. I agree. What you drinking tonight? So tonight I have. I'm looking to see if I. Uh, Oh, they've been on here a bunch. 
a New Realm Brewing Company based in, um, hang on, where is it? Virginia Beach, Virginia, or Atlanta. Both cities I are see, on the can. Yeah, um, see, New Realm's in Atlanta, I thought. They, I think they have breweries or taps in both. Anyway, so New Realm Brewing Company in Atlanta slash Virginia Beach. I have the Lime of the Party Key Lime Pie Goza. Ooh, I um, almost bought a key lime pie for today too. Um, there, there, there she is right that there, looks, and this that looks legit nice. has a slice of key lime pie on the on the can. Four uh, percent ABV, so it's gonna be. I hope it's gonna be real nice and light. Um, Florida key lime juice, sea salt, vanilla beans, and coriander Ooh. are the flavors that are gonna be in this thing, according to the can. So, um, that's key and, lime pie right there. Yeah, it is. Um. And the website says basically the same thing. So um, I love key lime pie. I could mm. eat. I could eat an entire key lime pie right now. <laughs> not feel bad about it at all. So um, me too. <laughs> so that's what I'm drinking. The lime of the party. That's a great name too. Lime of the it party um, from New Realm. That's what I'm drinking. Nice. How nice. about you? What you got? So I uh, I walked around in the beer aisle for a little while and decided I needed to do something different, something other than a stout or a sour or a tart. And so I walked over to the odd section of beer and mm-hmm. I grabbed a Trappist beer. And if you've never actually looked into Trappist beers, I know people talk about it. And I think we've mentioned them a few times. Um, what actually is a Trappist beer? And there are like there are certain qualifications that it has to meet to be considered a Trappist beer. And there's a, there's a foundation or not a foundation. There's like a governing body called the international Trappist authority, ITA. Okay. <laughs> like it's a real, real deal. Um, and they get to stamp whether your beer is officially Trappist or not. Um, and so the, the one I have is from West Mali, Malay. I don't know if I'm saying that right. Uh, West Malay, it's called the Extra, um, and it's their lightest beer that they make. This uh, this brewery makes three beers. They have the Double, the Triple, and the Malay, or in the Extra. That's it. Um, okay. And so to qualify to be a Trappist beer, there are, I learned this tonight, so we're going to have a, a slight history lesson here. There's three things uh, that have to that have to happen. Number one, the beers have to be brewed at a monastery. Okay. okay. Um Specifically, a Trappist monastery or an, an abbey. If for monks, it would be called an abbey. Okay, um, monastery okay. would be would be nuns. Um, so it has to be brewed at an abbey, a Trappist abbey. Um, the production and the policy and the making of the beer itself has to be overseen by Trappist monks in the abbey. Okay. Okay. So you can't like hire people to brew your beer for you and then just say that you brewed it. The monks have to be the ones who actually do do the brewing. Okay. And this is this was an interesting one. The third thing is the proceeds of the sale of the beer have to be reinvested back into the monastic community at the abbey. Okay. So that was really interesting to me. And so that I mean, essentially buying Trappist beer supports monks who make Trappist beer. Which is which is pretty awesome, but it's like a direct connection back to it. Say, so it's that seems like a circle scheme instead of like a pyramid <laughs> scheme. Just a like, yeah. Yeah. So to be able to be called a Trappist, you have to have that, uh, those three things. Um, But I also learned that there are 11 active 
Trappist breweries. I think I said that earlier. There are 11 active Trappist breweries. And of the active Trappist breweries, West Male is the oldest one. Okay. Uh, they've been around since 1836. They're in uh, West Male, Belgium, and they make cheese and they make beer. And I'm going to try their beer tonight. I didn't get any cheese. So, dang. If you had been, been able to get some of their cheese, that would have been fantastic. Yeah. Beer and cheese is good together. Not going to mm. lie. Beer and cheese so, together in a dip? Mm. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yes, please. Speaking my love so, language right there. <laughs> that's what I'm drinking. I've got the West Male Extra, uh, Trappist Extra uh, from Belgium. So You said that's the lightest one they make? It is. So they have the double, double, I don't know how you say it, uh, and then the triple, which mm-hmm. is, uh, it's the way they, uh, they might, like the, you got a double, a triple, and a quad. Um, they only make a double and a triple. So, okay, there you go. But I did see, I read somewhere that actually maybe on their website, this is the beer. Uh, the extra is the beer that the monks drink mostly at the Abbey while they're doing their work. So I, I think this is the lightest, lightest of the three. So, they make. so this is the Lord's beer. Is what this you're is saying. the Lord's beer. Literally the Lord's beer. <laughs> well, I say we crack our beers open and see what we've got. Um, you have a bottle, I have a can, so we'll have different yep. experience here, but that's fine. Let's do it. Here we go. Three, two, one, crack. Mm. Random question. Yeah. Do you still have your bottle cap gun? No, it broke and I threw it away. Oh, that's sad. It is sad. That's a sad day. So I forgot that this happened. So I did I had that one the Oh, it was several. It was like the big 40, the Duchess de Bolognese Mm -hmm. or whatever it was called. Uh huh. It was super fizzy. This one is also super fizzy. (laughs) Well, split the difference. Mine has no fizz at all. (laughs) No fizz at all. It also doesn't smell like anything, which is a good sign for it because I don't think key lime pie smells like anything. No, it does not. Good key lime pie doesn't smell like anything until you put the lime on top of it. I don't smell anything on that one. Either that or I have COVID, one or the other. <laughs> Hopefully you I, don't have COVID. I don't. That would I don't have that. Just for the <laughs> oh man. All right. I'm just gonna have to so, roll with what I got. Um, while you thing. were talking there, you may have noticed I kind of freaked out for a second. Um I just felt my room start shaking. And then I remembered that we left the garage door open and my office is above the garage <laughs> and my wife had um, closed the garage door. But it took me like two or three solid seconds to figure like, is my phone going off? Is my heater on? And I was like, oh, God. Oh, that's the garage door. Okay, we're good. Is, it, is this the rapture? I mean, between AT&T's thing today and that, I've, I've, I've lived through two apocalypses today. <laughs> Dude, the memes that have come out today have been fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. <laughs> they have been pretty good. I like it when when people like can take a this I mean it's pretty serious to have your cell service not work for 6 hours for in oh, the yeah. world's largest uh cell phone provider. It's a pretty yes. big deal, but people could take that and still be like, "Yeah, this was kind of funny that we had to deal with this, wasn't it?" <laughs> <laughs> oh man. It's good times, good times. All right. Well, I think I'm close enough to for government work here. So let's turn them up and drink them and see how they taste. Let's do it. Cheers. Bottoms up.
I will say, because this comes from Belgium, it only has 11.2 ounces in it. We get we get shafted over here in America with that I thought English you're, beer. Well, is it also stronger? Belgium is not uh, England, just for the record. Uh, Europe, same difference. <laughs> no, it is not. <laughs> there's entire there's a, a lot of countries in Europe and a country in England that would disagree with your statement. <laughs> true that. True that. Sorry if you're in England and I just compared you to Belgium. Sorry. And the or other vice way versa. Yeah. Or vice versa. <laughs> So the flavor of this thing is actually is actually really strong, even though it has a light kind of texture to it. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's definitely so you can you can see. I mean, it's just a a regular cover. The flavor of it though is really rich. For um, some reason, when I when you when you talk about monks brewing beer, I just automatically think that they're just going to be brewing stouts and port like like dark <laughs> stuff. Like I don't I don't envision them ever. I mean, that essentially kind of looks like an ale or. Like a light yeah. lager or something. I mean, that's essentially this their version of a light lager. And and uh it's uh it's it's the flavor is interesting though. Like it's I don't know exactly how to pinpoint the flavor. Whenever you say interesting, but, I have no idea what you mean. Because <laughs> it could be like legitimately interesting, or you could be like, This is the worst thing I've ever had in my life. That's true. I do use that word in uh, in equivocal language, so and there's that happens. No, there's no in between. <laughs> they do have so their website has a really cool, um, basically a, how they process how they brew beer. Hmm. It's they move it from tank to tank, um, which I mean that's what brewing beer does anyway. You just move it from tank to tank, but theirs has a lot of tanks that it goes in, hmm. and uh, it's interesting. That's really cool. Check out the West Mali uh, Brewery website because it's really interesting and and historical. Not like some of the ones we have in America where it's like, yeah, it's our beer and it's what it tastes like and here's where you can buy it. <laughs> so um, if I have to give this thing a rating, though. And you do because that's what we do. And, yeah, I do have to do that. Um, the flavor is good. And all right, so I'm going to I'm going to do I'm going to. Do it this. I've got to relate things to things that I already know. The flavor is similar to Classic City Lager. Okay. Um. So so it's there. It's a little bit lighter, but the the flavor is actually a little more robust. I don't know if I like the flavor as much as I do Classic City Lager, though. Okay. So eh, it's not quite there. It's good. I think if you enjoy the the novelty of drinking a Trappist beer, you'll probably like it. Um, it's not something I'm going to be excited about, especially at at like eighteen dollars for a four pack. Mm-hmm. Um, so, which I realize, I mean, it, it takes a lot of time and money to get beer from Belgium to America for less than you know fifteen dollars a four pack. I get that, um, but just I don't know. It's not for me. It's not the greatest thing. I'm going to give it three Luthers. Mm-hmm. Um, it's okay. Uh, it's it's cool to drink a Trappist beer and to learn, you know, do a little research and find out about that. And it's cool how they do the the process and all that. But eh, it's just not it's not tickling my fancy. So I'm going to give it three Luthers. That's fair. So coming coming down off my my four and five Luther run, I've been going on. <laughs> I'm going to say it's been a minute since you went down that low. Um, Yep. So, all right. That's that's this one. How is the key lime? Tell me how the key lime is. 
Um, it's really good. The key lime flavor is really, really nice. Um, my brain, for some reason, was thinking more sour. Mm-hmm. I forgot that this was a Goza. Which I have a completely different flavor profile altogether. Yeah. Um, but it actually works really well with the key lime um, idea. I wish it had more of the vanilla flavor so that like the flavor of the crust of a key lime pie would cut cut through a little bit better. Yeah. Um I'm getting a lot of lime and I'm getting a lot of um I don't know how they did it. But you know how like you do like a store bought key lime pie, they sometimes put like sliced almonds around the edge. Oh yeah. On top of the whipped cream. Mm-hmm. I, I'm getting that almond flavor somehow. Okay. I don't I don't know how they did it because <laughs> almonds not on here. But it, it it's really, really nice. Um, I just wish it had a little more like of a vanilla flavor to kind of offset because the, the lime flavor is really nice, but it's very, very tart. Yeah. And I kind of wish that there was a little bit more sweet to offset the two. Mm-hmm. Um, but all things considered, it's really, really good. Um, I'm going to give it four Luthers. Um, it's kind okay. of in that same. I mean. It's kind of what we do here. It's it's it is kind of a novelty esque beer. Um, yeah, you know. But if you like key lime pie, I think you'll really like this. I think if you like limes in general, you'll like this. Yeah. Um. So I'm gonna give it four Luthers. It, it's in that. It's it's pretty good. Um. I got six 12 cans for less than your four 11.2 ounce <laughs> bottles. So I'm not complaining about that at all. Um. I just wish the Nice. Vanilla flavor was a little stronger, but all in all, it's a really good, really, really nice uh, flavor we got going on from New Realm. So nice. So the uh, the blueberry crumble that I did last week, Chandelier mm-hmm. Island has a key lime pie, and that's the one I almost picked up. Okay. Uh, so I may go back and pick it up now just to just to do a key lime pie. It seems like I did I did one, and it was not good a while back, and I want to find a good one. I've done. I did a lime lager like a mexican lager or something a long long time ago and it was not that good Um, it was so i actually did one called key lime pie from whole hog beer company okay back in exit or uh episode 185 so okay and it was it was not good um i remember that one and i gave Hmm. i gave it three luthers i don't know that i would give it three luthers now probably not but uh, that yeah. that is something I would like to like. Part of me would like to go back and start finding older, like start going back and re-ranking <laughs> them. Now that we've done this for four years, um, see how many we can get through and find. I know I see Southern Pecan and I see Dragon's Milk almost every week. I see Dragon's Milk, and then there's a um, there's another version of Dragon's Milk that's like a the white one, the white one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I see that one all the time. It's um, a milk stout. Yeah. So, so. anyway. That's neither here nor there. Uh, Trappist Extra from West Mall, West Malle. Malle. I don't know how you say it. West. It's in Belgium. Um, (laughs) Getting three Luthers out of five. Hey, they will appreciate the Luther scale. I'll tell you that much. Yeah, they better. (laughs) They better appreciate Um, it. If anyone on the face of the planet does, I bet monks that brew beer would. And then um, the lime of the party... Goza from New Realm getting four out of five Luthers for me tonight. Um, there's our beer review for the week. And after this short break, we're going to jump right back in. We're in Galatians chapter two. 
We're going to be in uh, verses 15 through 21 tonight. So uh, stick around with us. We'll be right back after this break, and we'll keep rolling through Galatians. Welcome back. Welcome back from that break. We are diving into Galatians chapter 2, verses 15 through 21 tonight. Uh, We're going to talk about a major doctrine of the church tonight. We're going to talk about justification, specifically justification by faith alone. Mm. Uh, So it's going to be a good good talk for tonight, and uh, we have a great text to to walk us through that. And so I'm going to read our text and kind of give us a little background, and then we're going to dive right into this uh, into this text and see what it shows us. So this is Galatians 2, verses 15 through 21. This is what the Word of God says. It says, We ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. Yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Jesus Christ in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law, because by works of the law, no one will be justified. But if in our endeavor to be justified in Christ, we too are found to be sinners, is Christ not a servant of sin? Certainly not. For if I rebuild what I tore down, I prove myself to be a transgressor. For through the law, I died to the law, so that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. Hmm. Man, Paul, it's the, I love this version of Paul right here. Like when he gets into when he gets into this kind of doctrinal stuff, mm-hmm. it's man, he just hammers it, and it's so good. And and what he does here, he lays out the basically the core theology of Galatians. Mm-hmm. Um, you want to know why the Judaizers are wrong? Here's why, right here. If you want to know what freedom in Christ looks like, here's I mean. All six chapters can come together right here because everything is going to be built from this doctrinal foundation. Uh, Mm -hmm. And that's the justification by faith alone is, is really this, it can be found every, a a lot through scripture, but this is kind of the foundational text. Um, And in so many ways, like justification is contrary to what our nature is as humans. Um, And so because of that, like, it's it really gets misunderstood a lot, um, and you'll see this one in when we talk about justification and sanctification together, which we've done uh, on the podcast. And so, um, but the reality, just kind of the quick reality, is that justification is not based on something that is true of us, but rather it is based on what is true of Christ. Um, and you know, we've said this before. He lived the life that we couldn't live, and he died the death that we deserve. And, and and that's yeah. that is really the foundation of of what justification by faith alone uh, actually is. And so, what we see here is that the gospel 
and and by extension, our justification through the gospel um, tells us to look away from ourselves. And and this text is going to tell us to look away from ourselves. And this is, you know, it, this is almost like this contrary to to a reflective or an introspective look on yourself. It says, don't look into yourself uh, to find an answer. Look to Christ. Look to what Christ has done and what He has accomplished. Mm-hmm. Um, because the when we actually understand, when we understand justification, we will actually know what it means to be crucified with Christ. What He says yeah. in, in chapter uh, or verse twenty of chapter two, right there. Um, and so we're going to walk through justification. We're going to walk through what justification by faith is, because that's what this text teaches us. And we're going to hit it in in kind of three major points. Number one, we're going to give you a definition. You know we're going to give you a definition so that we define the words we're talking about and we really lay out the groundwork for for what we're talking about. So we're going to give you a definition for justification. We're going to talk about that. Then we're going to break down the text in, in kind of the way Paul does, where he gives you this allegation against justification. He kind of does it with this imaginary person that he's arguing with who might be a Judaizer and it's, it's, it's going to be an argument that would come from a Judaizer standpoint, but it's, it's a, mm-hmm. it's a charge against justification. And then Paul's going to turn right around. He's going to give an answer for justification. Um, and so, so let's walk through this text and let's pick it up right here. And let's just talk about what is justification. Sure. So let's define our terms here. Justification is the gracious act of God by which he declares a sinner righteous through faith in Jesus Christ. So um, justification happens at the moment of salvation. Um, mm-hmm. God declares you righteous despite your sin, despite your past, because you have claimed Christ as your Savior. Um, you've yep. believed in his uh, life, death, burial, resurrection. You believed in all mm-hmm. that, and you trust him as the Lord of your life. Um So that's what happens with justification. Um, Justification is really this um, type of legal language. Um, Mm -hmm. And you can, we can get context. We we talk a lot about context here on our podcast. Um, You can get some context um, for the legal setting from the book of Deuteronomy in the Old Testament. Excuse me. In Deuteronomy 25, um, 25 one, it says, if there is a dispute between men and they go to court and the judges decide their case and they justify the righteous and condemn the wicked. Um, and so this um, in this example here, this is a one time once and for all declaration like yeah. the righteous are declared righteous and the wicked are declared wicked and yeah. um, there's not another opportunity for them like once it's. Once the judge has ruled, the case is over. Yeah. They um, didn't have appeals courts back then. <laughs> right. So um, – and, and that's the same thing here. Once – that when you die, you are either declared righteous by the blood of Christ or you're mm-hmm. um, declared unrighteous due to your lack of faith and condemned. Um, yeah. So um, – and Anthony, you hinted at this a little bit. So we, we talk about what our natural instinct is going to be. Yeah. Um, we naturally think that the law will be like guardrails on a highway yeah. and it will keep us on a right path. If you're driving down, especially like a curvy mountain or something, like you see the guardrails, you know those are there mm-hmm. to keep you from going over the edge. Right. Um, 
But, if I just follow the rules, if I just steer and turn. Yeah, if I just I'm steer it like yeah. <laughs> or I mean, or I I can hit the guardrails, but I'm go- like it's going to keep me from going off the edge because right. you know, that's what those are there for. Um the law wasn't given to give us a way to be good. The law wasn't this list of things for us to try to check out. It's not like a grocery list. Like if you get everything on the list right, you, you've done a good job or whatever. Um, the law isn't that. The law wasn't given to help us be good. The law was given to show us how bad we really are, um, to show us that we can never measure up. Like the law is God's um, – I don't want to say rules because that does sound like he's like a, you know. Well, um, you know, the, the thing about rules is you don't know that you're breaking a rule until you know that there is a rule. True. So, so maybe maybe I mean, rule is the best word. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but so, you know, it, it's God giving us these rules for life, I guess. Yeah, I, that sound. I I don't love the way that sounds, but it's the best way I could. Best thing I can come <laughs> up with right now. Um, but it, it's God giving us these these things that, you know, if you want to know me, you'll follow these rules. If you want to be right. in community with me, you'll follow these rules. But what's what's funny is man could never have done that. Like man yeah. could never have kept the list. Um, and so. I think that's why the sacrificial law was set up. That's why, um, you know, all throughout the Old Testament, you see sacrifices after sacrifices after sacrifices. Um, and then ultimately, that's why Jesus had to come. Um, yeah. So Paul is going to use a cultural idiom to make a point about the law. Um, he says back up in. Oh, verse 15, right at the beginning. He says, mm-hmm. we ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners, yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. Um, if we come, if we, when he says that they are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners, he is setting up his very next statement about not being justified by the law. Um, so if the Jewish believers had all alike believed in Christ with a view to being saved, that in and of itself would have been a confession that the old system of Judaism was not sufficient. Mm -hmm. And Paul knew that there were going to be Jews that could not let go of that system. That's right. That could not um, forsake the ways of their fathers and their grandfathers and going back all the way to Abraham. Um, by believing in Jesus as the Messiah, Jewish Christians had shown that they believed man is not justified by works of the law. Yeah. Um, and, and think about it from a cultural standpoint, right? You're you're a first century Jew who has your whole life been trained like this is how you are justified by how well you keep the list of laws. And now here's Jesus. Yeah. Here's this. Here's this. Um, this way for you to be justified that 
eradicates the need for you to keep keep the list of laws for your justification. Yeah. Um, and so it really turned the culture on its head when Jesus comes onto the scene, which is what he – I mean that was his whole life it feels like was flipping the culture upside down. Um, so if the law isn't the basis – there must be another answer that Paul gives us, right? Yeah. And we right. see that in verse 16, um, where he says, in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law. Um, oh, I'm sorry. We also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law, because by works of the law, no one will be justified. Um, yep. and, and here we see that faith is the means of our justification, but not the source. We've ta- yeah. I, we've talked about it a lot while we've been here in Galatians. Your justification, I'm sorry, nothing you do earns your salvation, earns your justification. Mm-hmm. You, it's solely based on your faith alone, mm-hmm. um, your faith in Jesus alone. Mm-hmm. The source of our justification is the grace of God. Yeah. Um. And we are justified through our faith, not because of it. Um, And so then when you talk about faith, that is us trusting what God is doing, when he is doing it, how he is doing it, whatever that Mm -hmm. looks like. Um, And that, you know, that's a gift in and of itself as well, Um, Mm -hmm. because we naturally don't trust God. Um, Anthony and I were just talking about kind of the seasons of life we're both in right now. And it's like, we want so bad to know all the details where we want so bad to have control of the situation. But then when we look back on the situation and see how God worked every single detail out, we almost like, I don't know about you, but I'm almost embarrassed for myself yeah. for not <laughs> trusting God with the process from the beginning. Yep. You know, it's like, when you when there are situations that the only way things can work out the way they do is God was orchestrating it, it makes you feel even more silly to have not trusted him to begin with. Yeah. And so um but that just points to the fact that we're still um fallen men saved by the blood of Jesus, justified by it, but still we we fall into the ways of our flesh all the time. And so yeah, um, it's not a perfect journey. It's not a perfect, there's no perfect, like you're not going to get everything right, but um, we don't have to. And and that's, that's, you know, thank God for that. So um, yep. that gets us through verse 15 and 16. <laughs> um, and so Anthony, we're going to talk about now an allegation against faith. Why don't you walk us through the next couple of verses there? Yeah. So Paul, uh, in, in classic Paul fashion, um, Paul brings in an in- interlocutor. Uh, if you don't know what an in- interlocutor is, it's somebody who will argue back and forth with you. And, you know, you can see Romans chapter nine. That's probably one of the biggest uh, places where he does this back and forth thing. And and kind of the purpose of that is to say, this is an argument that that might come up against what I'm teaching. 
You know, that's the whole purpose of it is to kind of, when I say it, I say, let's do a thought experiment. Uh, let's think about this. And, and, and so Paul in his way, he says, you know, well, brings up the question. And so in this question, if Paul's interlocutor is, is arguing, you know, if God is just declaring people righteous, then why should we even obey the law? That doesn't make any sense. Um, you know, there, if you're just going to declare people righteous, there's no reason to, to, uh, to follow the law. And so you just end up in this like onslaught of free grace and everybody just doing whatever they want to do. And nobody really actually following anything and just claiming that they're in Christ, uh, whether they are or not, you know, following the the mandates and the commands of Scripture, um, they're just living life the way they want to do it. And so, there, I mean, this is a legitimate question here that they're saying: Where does this stop, Paul? How far is this going to go? What is the point of all this? Mm-hmm. Where's the limit? You know, and and so they even go to the point, you know, in in Paul's. Uh, question here he's like doesn't your gospel even make christ a servant of sin you know and paul's like nope <laughs> he snaps right back to him nope he doesn't make him a, uh, a servant of sin and so you know you got to understand here that that to to the jew paul's gospel of salvation by by free grace through faith would remove the incentive for moral moral good, you know, to try to avoid sin. In their view, that's the way they saw it. And so what we have to realize and and what we have to understand is that when we are put right with God, when we are declared righteous, all right, that is a total change mm. in in who you are as a person and in your in your moral behavior and 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 this really, I mean, this really gets down to the transformation of salvation. And so, you know, when we talk about being declared righteous, it's not just, you know, it's not like, I'm trying to think of a, a wild example here. You know, if I went out and I, you know, murdered 10 people and 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 I was like, and you know, I go to court and they're like, you know, did you do this? And I'm like, mm, yeah. And then somebody comes in, they're like, um, no, I'm paying the penalty for Anthony murdering those 10 people. Anthony is now not guilty of that. You know, if that didn't cause me to change my mindset, mm-hmm. then then I don't really understand what that person just did for me. Right. You know, and and so, you know, a lot of times we we try to think about our sins and and we've talked about this almost ad nauseum on this podcast. You know, all I did was just a little white lie. All I did was was this. And it was just a, you know, I wasn't trying to do that. I wasn't trying to deceive. I, you know, and and so we we rank our sin and try to justify the lowness of our sin because that's what you talked about earlier and we've mentioned. That's our nature. Mm-hmm. Our nature is to try to find excuses for ourselves. Yeah. Um and so, but but when we can't anymore, when we're standing in judgment, the the only option is to let Christ stand in our place and say, "Nope, I've paid the penalty for that one. He's mine. Yeah, they they belong to me. She belongs to me." And and when you realize the depth of what Christ does in that moment when He says, "That one belongs to me," 
and and I give my righteousness to that one, mm-hmm. that's when we actually understand the depth of the justification we have received and the yeah. depth of our salvation. Yeah. And so that was something that was really hard for the Judaizers to to comprehend. And so with their with their bringing reinter or reintroducing this law keeping as as like essential to salvation, you know, the reality is they're trying to rebuild the very thing that Christ tore down. You know, and and what does Paul say in the text? He says, "For if I rebuild what I tore down, I prove myself to be a transgressor." Yeah. You know, I'm displaying the the nastiness of who I am when I try to rebuild that what was tore down. And and so, you know, that's what we do when we're trying to reach things on human effort or we're trying to merit something at, on our own uh, effort or something that we're doing and we're trying to offer it to God like it's going to matter or anything. You know, it, it, it definitely didn't matter for Paul when he was on the Damascus Road and he got blinded and had to be led um, to Ananias's house and sat there for three days with scales on his eyes. You know, it's I guarantee you Paul had a shift. And so, you know, in these two verses here, Paul really kind of lays out this this back and forth argument of people who would attack justification. And and then in the, the last verses we're going to cover here, he lays out what it looks like mm-hmm. for our justification. Yeah. And and he lays it out in probably some of the most beautiful and poetic terms in scripture. Yeah. Um, so let's walk through these last few verses here and and let's lay out our case for for justification. All right. So um really, I mean, what we've again talked about a lot. Um Paul lays it out right here. We know the law cannot declare us righteous. It doesn't matter how well we keep the law. We can't declare us righteous. It doesn't matter how well you don't keep the law. It doesn't declare you unrighteous. Right. The only thing that declares whether or not you're righteous is your relationship or lack of relationship with Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, that's That's the only thing. You know, the, the law by itself, useless to declaring yeah. your righteousness. Um, so there's that. Um, we also know that being declared righteous should lead us through a great heart transformation, like you were just saying, because of what Christ did, because of Christ's yeah. work. Now, I know we feel like I've bashed the law a lot tonight. So let me backtrack a little bit. Just because you have Jesus doesn't give you liberty to do whatever. Yes. Um, you know, it's not like it's not a hall pass on uh on how you live, you know. Like yes. Maybe a terrible example or metaphor, but I'm gonna roll with it. So um, but when you are saved by faith, when you are justified by faith. Your heart should transform, but it's not because the law is like keeping you fenced in. You are free from the shackles of the law to abide by the law. Does that make sense? Yes, I think. You are free from the shackles of the law so that you may abide by the law. Yes. 
Okay. The, I mean, the reality is the law is still the command of God. Right. So yeah. the law is still good. Yeah. The law. Yeah. The law is good. We're not chained to it. Yes. We're not prisoners of it. But we can live. We can live freely with the law like that. Yeah. It. Again, it breaks your brain if you think about it, if you try to think about it as human. Yeah. I mean, that's the only way we can think about it because that's what we are. So um, I don't know if I explained that very well, and I apologize if I didn't, and I blame Anthony for it. Um, <laughs> but Paul here says in verse 19, um, for through the law, I died to the law so that I might live to God. When he was living, when he was living in accordance with the law and following the law, he put his whole life into following the law. Yeah. And now we're going to see here in a few, in, in the next verse, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Yeah. And so instead of living, instead of dying to the law so that he may, might live to God, Paul has died to himself so that Christ may live in him. Yeah. Um, so Paul's now going to explain um, his stance on where believers are before the law. Um, this is that was a simple statement of Paul's relation to the law, and then becomes a statement of his relation his relation to Christ. It's verses nineteen and twenty. I just talked about that, um, mm-hmm. but it shows. Um, this complete change in the way he thinks and the way he looks at things, um, it reorients his thought. Um, yeah. And, you know, Anthony, you talked about the his encounter on the Damascus Road. Um, and, you know, we really see this full culmination of his reorientation of thought in verse 20, where Paul says that he must confess himself a sinner like any needy Gentile. Yeah. Um, and again, it it's it's breaking the cultural patterns of the time for yeah. someone like Paul to say that. Yeah. Um, I mean, even and, even remember at the beginning when he used the idiom, you know, we're Jews, we're not like those Gentile sinners, yeah. you know, and and yeah. that was that was an idiom to kind of prove a point, but. Mm-hmm. You see the flip of the text now where Paul is saying, hey, man, we're just like those Gentile sinners. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. And, and and really that is, when, you know, Paul confessing himself as a sinner just like the Gentiles. Yeah. That's him putting to death the old nature, which yeah. is like this last killing blow to his pride. Um, anything mm-hmm. that puffs him up. um, anything that he does that he that could puff him up. Um, and, and it, it's really, you know, you, you're, it's, you're looking at two sides of the coin, right? That his old days, his old past, um, the law was what he looked for and the law dominated how he thought, how he lived, yeah, how he, um, interacted with others the law just completely dominated every aspect of his life. New times, new days, new Paul, 
Yeah. Now it's Christ. His horizon, his his future is determined by Jesus. He's trusting Jesus with with that. Right. His thought life is now fully focused on how to honor and glorify Jesus, how to teach others how to honor and glorify Jesus. Christ becomes the sole meaning of life for Paul. Um yeah. and Every moment of his life gets passed, passes in this conscious um, dependence on Christ, mm-hmm. um, and, and he's looking to Christ for everything. It, it's it's almost like he doesn't take a step without talking to Jesus about it, and then he doesn't take yeah. the next step without talking to like it, it. That's where Paul is at because of the radical transformation he experienced, um, and you know. That story, that transformation of fully dependent on myself, fully dependent on um, being a little bit better than someone else, being fully dependent on my past or my family history or my money or my status or whatever, like fully dependent on that, encountering Jesus and now being fully dependent on him and trusting him with all of that. And when things don't go great or aren't going the way that from the outside looking in, it would make sense for people to question. Yeah. You know, like if you can have peace in the craziest, um, most stressful, most anxiety, anxiety producing, um, times, if you can have the peace of Jesus in those times, then you're, doing something right with with your walk and and yeah that's you know that's what christian that's what the real christian faith looks like it's easy to praise god when things are going well but how about when things aren't going so well yeah when 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 is is your faith real is your faith and is your faith intensely personal when things aren't what they have been in the past or you hit a bump in the road or, you know, you go through the guardrail and down the mountain. Like, yeah, <laughs> like when, when life gets hard, is your, is Jesus still your rock? Mm-hmm. Or do you try to, or do you try to fix it? And it's not to say like that. It's not to say we're absolved from responsibility. There are things that we should do, but we're not trying to fix those things because it's our responsibility to fix. We're just yeah. doing our parts to make the situation marginally less stressful or whatever. Yeah. It's not even necessarily better. Like sometimes you sometimes your situation gets worse before it gets better. Yeah. Sometimes it may not get better. And sometimes it gets better right away. Like <laughs> so, but Jesus works in mysterious ways, but his ways are always for his glory, our good, and we can trust him with that no matter what. So, yeah. Um, some questions that y'all can think about, reach out to us if you have any answers or anything you want to talk about um, or talk about it with other people. Um, how has your personal justification changed you? Mm-hmm. Um, and 
And then like kind of a follow-up question to that would be, do you see your sin differently now that you've been justified? Um, you know, Anthony talked about like the tears of sin that we all at times are like, well, I'm not as bad as that person over there because of X, Y, Z. Like, but what about your own sin? Like, yeah. like you know, stop, stop worrying about the sins of other people and just like, does your sin break your heart the way that it breaks God's heart? Your teeny tiniest sin grieves the heart of God. The same way yeah. your deepest, darkest, most severe sin does. So after you're just like, do you view your sin differently now? Yeah. So what where's what's some else? Some other questions we can be thinking about. So something else you can you can think about uh, kind of in line with what you were just talking about is is why is it significant that justification is this once for all declaration? You know, if we're going to view it differently, if we're going to view our sin differently after justification, why is it this once for all justification so important? Because, um, you know, it, it, if God is going to declare us righteous, then, I mean, that that should be a one-time thing. Now, it mm-hmm. doesn't, doesn't mean that we're perfect, you know. But but understanding what it means to be declared righteous is saying something about who you are, um, and and God is making a statement about who you are, and so it's important for us to understand that aspect. Mm-hmm. Um, so think about that, you know, in in as you're thinking about it, and then you know, kind of one final final question, just to get hopefully get everything churning this week is how should the reality of Christ's indwelling presence affect our behavior. Mm. Um, you know, a lot of times on this podcast, we talk a lot about how Christians are perceived in, in the public sphere. And, you know, I, I've made no bones that, that I think a lot of times Christians screw it up pretty bad. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and so how should we view Christ living in us the, the creator God of the universe living in us and with us and giving us his righteousness. How does that affect the way that we act and behave to the world around us? Because the reality is we are different. We are set apart. We are a chosen people. First Peter says we're a chosen people, a royal priesthood. We mm-hmm. are those things. And if we are, then we should act like it. Yeah. And and if we're going to act like it, then then let's do it. Let's be the body of Christ, representing Christ to the world, and let's show them what it means to be the body of Christ. Doesn't mean we're going to get it right every time. It doesn't mean we have to be perfect, but let's do let's do our very best to to point people to Christ in everything that we do. Mm-hmm. So that's a couple of things to think about. If you don't have anything else to add, I would love to pray for us. I don't. Let's do it. All right, God, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for, uh, we thank you for justification, and we thank you that you, uh, God, sent your Son to live the life that we couldn't live, to die the death that we deserved, and He did that for the purpose of restoring us back to a right relationship, so that we could be declared righteous, mm. that we can put on His righteousness as our own, and we can wear it, and we can be covered in it. And God, we are so grateful. 
we're so grateful that you you did that for us because we didn't deserve it. We didn't earn it. We couldn't do anything for it. And and God, yet out of your mercy and your grace, you still provided it for us. And so we're so grateful. God, I pray that as we think on this text this week, as we think about what our justification means and how we can um, show that justification to the world around us, God, how we can contribute to our sanctification through the the understanding and acknowledging of our justification, God, that, that it would lead our minds to be reoriented to your grace and to your gospel, that, God, we would, we would filter things through the commands in your scripture, that we would learn to, to understand and how to care for those who are around us, uh, and, God, that we would display Christ to a lost and dying world. And God, that through our display of you, that you would be so gracious as to move and bring more people into your kingdom, God. Mm -hmm. And we thank you for that move. And we thank you for everything that you do through us and really and truly in spite of us most of the time. Mm. And so, God, I pray that you would use us and God, that we would be willing vessels and, and open instruments for you to mold into what you want us to be, that we can bring you the most glory. And God, that we would do all of these things, and we ask all of these things in the mighty name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen. Amen. Well, Michael, if people wanted to reach us on social media, where would they do that? You can find the Beers and Bible podcast on Instagram at Beers and Bible underscore uh, Twitter, Beers and Bible P1. Facebook beers and Bible podcasts, and you can also email us for beers and Bible podcasts at gmail.com. Um, had a couple of people reach out on messages this week, um, mostly sending memes and stuff, but Hey, <laughs> we like we'll memes. Think, we like memes. <laughs> I have a couple of friends. That's all we text exclusively via memes, memes and gifs. We don't, uh, actually talk about anything serious. So, um, that's where you can find us on the socials and we encourage you to do so there you go well until next week i hope that your beer stays cold and your bible stays open and we will see you later peace out